Hello friends, Dr. Missy Clifton here alongside my business partner, friend, and Mohs surgeon, Dr. Katie Allen. Last time we were together, we spoke about skin cancer kind of as a whole. Today we're talking about what to expect when you actually have skin cancer. Thank you so much, friend, for being here with me today. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's so much fun to get to be together outside of the work environment and doing something kind of new and different. So today we'll be talking about how skin cancer is diagnosed, uh, what are our treatment options, and how do we determine what's best for each patient, um, how does the skin respond and heal from cancer treatment. Um, So Katie, let's get right into it. So listeners, in case you missed the last podcast, we spoke about the warning signs of skin cancer. So Katie, when we suspect skin cancer, will you walk our listeners through what are our next steps? So usually you'll come in for us to look at it and have a skin exam. And I and I didn't mention this in the last podcast, but I did want to say a lot of people are nervous about this skin exam. Yes. And, and they're terrified about putting that gown on and having people look. I will promise you we are just looking at small areas of the skin at a time. So it's not, it doesn't need to be intimidating at all. Uh, so, so take ease with that because it's not as invasive as you think. And we see so many people in a day and I yeah. just tell people, you know what, parts are parts and we all yeah. have them and we're just, we're looking, we're looking for at lesions. Little tiny yes. things. Not, not yes. <laughs> so thing. yes, please don't be intimidated <laughs> by that. Uh, so you'll come in and, and we will examine your, your skin. A lot of people will come in with just one specific concern, but I will say it's also important that we look at your entire body because a lot of times it's not the one you're concerned about that we're concerned about. So if they if we ask you to put in a gown and you're worried about one spot on your nose, there's a reason for that. So so don't be alarmed. We just want to make sure we're doing our job for you and looking out for you. Exactly. So if we do see something that is suspicious, more than likely we will kind of pull out another little device. It's called a dermatoscope and it looks like a little magnifier with a light. And we'll get kind of close and look at those details a little bit closer. And that just helps us to see some of those features on a closer level to say, yes, this is more cancerous looking or precancerous looking. And sometimes that can be reassuring for us or or we're like, no, we definitely need to biopsy that. So, So you shouldn't be alarmed if we pull out another device. That's pretty common with that. Especially as I get a little older and my eyes are not quite as good as they used yeah. to be, I tend to have my dermatoscope with me all the time. It's like a little bifocal <laughs> with that. Okay, Katie, thanks for throwing that in. <laughs> Katie's much younger than me. No, not much <laughs> <laughs> with that. So um, the other thing I will say, just as we're doing that exam, to be aware of, I kind of call it the the face massage because I will literally run my hands across the face because it's a lot of times they're so small, we can't necessarily appreciate them where they blend very well. And it's more by feel that I'll I'll find things that I don't like. So uh, just realize that that's normal and that's part of it because we sometimes just need to feel the spots before we we decide we want to biopsy it. Especially with precancerous lesions. I've yeah. found that often you can't even no, really can't see, them. see them. Even it's with easier. the dermatoscope, yeah. you have to really search, but you can definitely feel a texture change. I yeah. totally agree. My patients are all about it. They're like, oh yeah, face massage. <laughs> close their eyes and relax. It's the bonus round. <laughs> with that. So if we find something we don't like, what we'll do is we'll, we'll walk you through that next process. There will be a consent. We can't biopsy you without a consent. So that's just part of the normal process. So we'll walk you through that. We'll take a little picture just to mark it out and have it for our chart because 
believe it or not, some people here heal really well and we can't find the spot when you come back in and it helps to have that photograph to mark it. And then you will, will go through the process of biopsy. So it'll be cleaned. We do have to numb the area with a little tiny shot. So I just tell people that most of the time I had one yesterday and she was terrified. She's been through a whole bunch of different medical procedures recently, big medical procedures. And she's like, you have to give me another shot. And I was like, it's going to be just fine. I promise. <laughs> and we do whisper for some reason when we start talking about shots, we start whispering like we're going to just really ease into it. It's going to make yeah. it really nice. It's not truly most people barely feel it if yeah. they feel it at all. So yesterday I was, I, I mean, I finished it and she's like, that's it. I was like, yeah, we're done. It's, it's over. It's done. So some small shots, we'll get it numb. And then we take a small little device to remove the skin and we'll put it in a little cup and that'll go to the lab. Uh, we'll do a little procedure to stop the bleeding. Sometimes we roll a little Q-tip over it with aluminum chloride, kind of a little mixture to help stop the bleeding. Or we'll do a little bit of what we call cautery. It has a little bit of a smell to it. <laughs> we'll warn you about that. And then we put a little ointment on and a Band-Aid. And that's that. And that's that. It's, it's usually very, very minor, no worse than scraping your knee after a, a bike wreck. Very, very good. So once this goes to the lab, tell, tell us a little bit about the processing and the pathology reading and then what leads up to us calling the patient and kind of telling yeah. them their options. So the, once it's in the lab, it'll go to our histotechs and the, it has to sit in formalin for a little bit because we want to kind of f- preserve that tissue. And then once they, they get it preserved enough, they'll kind of take it out, measure it and do all the, the characteristics they have to have for documenting it. And it'll go through a, a process where they in, embed it and then they cut it into very, very, very small thin pieces and they'll put that on slides and then the slides get stained. And then once they're stained, then they go to a pathologist to have it read out. So it, it takes a few steps. It takes mm-hmm. a little while to do that. And then once the pathologists read it, then they send it back to us and then we go through it and kind of re-look at your, your, your pictures and kind of decide, okay, this is what it is. And we try and figure out what's the best plan for you. And sometimes those are different options. And we'll talk to you about those options because not each skin cancer is the same. That's that's correct. It's just like a fingerprint. You're going to see a different skin cancer on, on different people and they're not ever going to be just cookie cutter. Yeah. Sometimes they're much more aggressive. So once skin cancer is diagnosed, can you talk about the, the different options and yeah. kind of how you go about helping patients choose those options. So there's there's probably about five main different treatment options for, for skin cancer. And we probably do two or three of those a lot. Right. And the other ones are just there. So we do talk about them and we use them in specific circumstances. The first one, so if you have a very superficial cancer and, and there's um, it, different types, so it could be squamous cell carcinoma in situ, something that's right along the surface of the skin or another superficial basal cell. Those are just involving the very top part. Sometimes we'll want to treat those with creams because mm-hmm. there's benefit to that. Um, and it's a process. We'd have you apply that cream for anywhere from probably three to six weeks, most commonly six weeks, and, and walk you through that. Uh, but there are benefits to using those sometimes for the, the surrounding skin as well. So we do that not super commonly, but common enough to know. Mm-hmm. So, and again, those are only used for very specific superficial type skin cancers. So that would be the first option. Right. 
The the next option is something, it's got two scary words, electrodesiccation and cured temperature. We like to call it <laughs> scraping and burning. Which sounds <laughs> horrible, but it's really not. It ends up being much like the biopsy. I mean, just a little bit of a wound, slightly bigger, slightly deeper, maybe with that. But um, those are also, again, used for more kind of superficial cancers that we don't feel necessarily need a surgery for it. And a lot of times, um, if you have a lot of different skin cancers, sometimes we'll do it for, for some of those smaller ones for you. So you don't have to have surgery on each little one. It heals Again, like the biopsy, so just a little open sore. You put a little ointment on, a little Band-Aid, you go about your business. Yeah. No stitches. No stitches. Just let it heal, and it usually heals really beautifully. Yeah. The next next ones are for, obviously, a little bit more aggressive skin cancers. We'll talk about excision. So we commonly do that where you take a margin around the the little skin cancer and kind of and make that into a football. <laughs> this is the surprising part. So a lot of people are like, well, it was much smaller. But when we make it into a football, it's for cosmetic purposes. So uh, if you try and close a circle, it ends up bunching at the ends, and that doesn't look good. At all. <laughs> it looks quite bad. And so we end up making that a football by adding triangles around that. And so it it usually, I, I tell patients, it's going to be three times longer than you think it should be. But cosmetically, it'll make it blend way better for you. Absolutely. And we put the couple of layers of stitches, stitches down deep that, yeah. you know, your body will absorb and then stitches on the top just to make it look perfect. Yeah. And I, it's amazing. A lot of times those are such tiny little lines once that's healed that you can, you can barely see anything happen. Yeah. And with that, with that, you will have a little bit of restrictions because you, you, you have stitches. So, so no big physical activities, no, no lifting weights. I had a... <laughs> A rep talked to me the other day, and he ignored the doctor and went out and did push-ups. He got tired of just walking, and he did push-ups and split his, his stitches open on his forehead. So, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> it happens. Well, I had a similar, um, I had a similar patient. Um, luckily, it was not on his forehead. That's worse. Um, this gentleman is a great patient of mine. I've been seeing for years. Tends to be a fertile field, as we call it, uh, for skin cancer. Um, and we cut out a skin cancer on his back, and he was an avid golfer. Mm. And um, he just wasn't going to miss the tournament. Yep. Um, so that wound opened up and um, ended up being a pretty heinous scar. So it looks like a shark bite now when it could have looked like something really pretty. <laughs> really hurt my heart. Um, but he's all healed, and he's cancer-free. So that's the... that's the and that's he's the, golfing. Yeah, and he's golfing. He's happy. So all good. All good. Uh, our next uh, most common treatment, this is what I specialize in, is what we call Mohs micrographic surgery. It's Mohs, M-O-H-S. <laughs> everybody has no idea what you're saying. They if, think we're saying moles, <laughs> mole surgery, like we're cutting out moles only with it, and yeah. that's not the case. It's named after the doctor who invented it, so that's that's where the name came from. But this is kind of considered the gold standard for, for skin cancer. Um, it's used... Commonly on the face, the head and neck, hands, distal shin kind of areas where where you don't have a lot of laxity or you don't want to remove a lot of extra skin. And it's a very specific process. We we bring you in. There's much more waiting with this process because we'll actually take a small rim, small margin around that cancer and process it while you're there. We look at it under the microscope while you're waiting. So there's much more of a waiting part to this procedure. And then if... 
the margins are all clear, then we'll then we'll fix it up. Kind of like what we talked about before, depending on the area, we'll decide the best closure option. If the margins are positive, we'll kind of repeat that process and it's kind of mapped out with ink and, and a map uh, of the tissue and we'll go back to that specific area and take more. So it's a very precise kind of procedure to minimize the margins and make sure we have it all out. And that's kind of the gold standard because we assess 100% of the margin with that. Which is a little different with an excision. You know, if we cut out the excision, we're going to send it to the to the pathologist and they're going to bread loaf it and look through it. But they're not looking at every actual piece. So, yeah, the, the, best, the best way to imagine that is what Missy just said in excision. It's like taking a slice out, like, and you'll take, like, every fourth slice of bread, and they'll look at that slice and say, okay, it's not touching the edges. With Mo's, rather, if you think of the loaf of bread, it's like laying out the crust in all directions, and we look at the crust in all directions and make sure nothing is touching the crust in that complete 360-degree kind of area. So you're looking at the entire outer rim with it. That's a great analogy, Katie. You've never shared that with me. I love that. I didn't come up with that myself. (laughs) Okay, you can't take credit. Well, I love it. No. I I love it. I love it. Um, So we've talked about all of those things, and we're talking mostly with basal cells and squamous cells with these different treatments. Mm -hmm. Melanoma often is a little bit different Mm -hmm. in how we approach it and treat it. Can you talk about kind of that, that approach and how it's a little bit different? Yeah. Um, so for a long time, the standard for melanoma was just wide excision. Uh, there, we're starting to do more mows on it or what we call, we like to call slow mows, uh, at our office where we, we take it out and we'll actually send it to the pathologist. Like I talked about earlier, but it's done on a kind of a quicker process and they lay it out like we do the most. So they'll look at that 360 degree kind of crust or of the bread in that regard and look at that rim. So uh, sometimes we'll recommend it that way, depending on the location. Again, if there's a lot of laxity, sometimes we don't need to, but if we want to preserve those margins, we'll do if it it's that on a way. face yeah. or some, you know, really sensitive, sensitive area. area. Yeah. And it can be <laughs> the bottom of the foot, when, exactly. like we talked about. So um, that one, it depends. And then it also depends on the depth of the melanoma. So when we get to melanoma, melanoma, um, there's a wide range. If we catch melanoma early, uh, we, we can usually handle it at Premier. It's when they get deeper, we start talking about one millimeter depth or close to one millimeter depth, and that is when we usually send it out to our surgical colleagues and they do a bigger procedure, bigger excision, and sometimes start talking about looking at the lymph nodes and various things. So that is stuff we don't handle because it needs to be done in the hospital. Yeah, and we set them up with an oncologist and then they continue that journey along with us. But then we, of course, get them back and we continue to do skin checks because all of these patients are now super high risk for getting other skin cancers, especially in the next five years or so. Yeah, they become our best friends. They definitely, definitely do. All right. So when people hear that they're going to have to have a surgical procedure, one of the most common concerns they have is, oh, man, how bad is this going to look? What am I going to end up looking like when this is all said and done? So talk to us about what you say to your patients and and what they can expect um, after 
regular treatment we've kind of talked about with the EDNC, it's going to heal really beautifully. Excision, it's usually a straight line. With Mohs, what do you what do you tell them? So it'll depend on the area, obviously. If it's a cheek, most of the time, it is just another straight line. And we try and kind of blend it with nature's lines that we get smiling and talking and, and moving our eyes and various things. So uh, cheeks are pretty pretty straightforward. Necks also pretty straightforward. When we start talking about the ears and the nose, it can be a little bit more complicated. And sometimes we, we start to mention words like graphs or flaps. And that is where a graft is where we take skin from someplace else and move it, much like transferring sod. You kind of completely pick it up and move it, and it has to to go to the other place and heal. So uh, if we start thinking about that, which would be more common on the nose, we'll walk them through it. And I explain, this is going to take a little bit of time to to heal. Most of the time it does really well, but we're going to be here for you while we walk you through those stages. And you're going to come back at one week and you're going to think it looks horrible. And I'm going to say, no, it looks great. <laughs> if it's not if it's not dark blue or black, we're, we're quite ecstatic. And you're like, what? This looks horrible. And I, it's, it's a hand-holding process. And we will be there to walk you through it. And I'll see you back a couple weeks later. And, and it'll start to get better. And we'll keep kind of walking you through that, that process. Because it, it can take time if we, if we talk about a graph um, with that. Uh, if we are more in the flap discussion that also can take it's a little bit more complicated because it's more like rotating skin you pivot it so uh, a little bit more complicated a little bit more sutures things along those lines but they tend to heal beautifully on the nose Uh, and sometimes we will talk about coming back and lasering down the road to, to to help blend those scar lines that you can get from the procedure but we have a whole lot of other things like creams and and different procedures that can help minimize that scar appearance that um, they will have when they're all said and done. And I usually say, I'm here to walk you through this and I'll, I'll keep seeing you. And the biggest thing with scars are they evolve. They do. And you just sometimes have to be patient, which is very challenging. I like immediate, immediate results. Agree. I do surgery. So sometimes just having their hand and walking them through that and saying, it's going to get better. It just takes time and I'm here for you will also help them. Yeah. And on the cosmetic side of things, you know, when when those scars get really mature and Mm -hmm. healed and they're we think they're the best they're going to be, if they're still visible and not something you really love, we have a ton of options. Mm -hmm. Um, We have healing, you know, creams that you can put on, you know, scar recovery gel is one of my favorites that people can start, you know, as soon as stitches are out. They can help the scar to heal. It's much more powerful than Mederma. Um, and then once those scars are healed, there's microneedling that can blend the scars in. Morpheus in some cases, and if the skin is lax and needs to get some tightening around that scar, and often laser treatments yeah. um, to blend those in, those scars in. And we we provide these treatments for our skin cancer patients all the time mm-hmm. because really we want we want you to get the very best result cosmetically. Yeah. Um, of course, the most important thing is to make sure the cancer's out. Yes, and then then we can come back and fine tune it. And we do stress that. First step is getting rid of the cancer. Second, Cancer-free. Second step is the repair. But we obviously understand that it's a lot of times on their face and it's very sensitive yeah, to a lot a of people. Deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. So Katie, any last comments on skin cancer? Anything you think we've missed? 
No, I would just, again, say that 99% of all the cancers are are treatable or incurable if we catch them early. Skin cancer is by far the most common cancer. I mean, it outnumbers all the other cancers combined when we talk about numbers. But to say that 99% are curable if we treat them early, that that's um, just something to remember and why it's so important to do those self-skin checks and to, to get in if you do have any concerns. 100%. Well, thank you, Katie. And listeners, thank you so much for joining. Skin cancer is the most important disease we treat as dermatologists. We're here for you, and we're committed to reversing the damage your skin has obtained and helping you monitor your skin. So if you have any concerns, please get in quickly. Don't delay. We make a plan for each person. We'll talk about your family history. We'll just make sure that you know that you're being completely taken care of. So if you get skin cancer, just know you're stuck with being one of our very best friends. Uh, we like to stay close. We yeah. like to stay really close. Katie, love and admire you, my friend. Thank, oh, thank you so you. much for being here with me today. Yeah. Have a good day. All right. Wear your sunscreen. Absolutely. So listeners, on the next All Things Skin, Dr. Blake Williams, another partner of mine, will be joining me to discuss common skin issues that we treat in the summer beyond skin cancer. We'll get rashy. We'll talk itchy and scratchy. So stay tuned and follow All Things Skin on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining.